Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of the Electric Underground podcast, a nearly lost piece of media here, where a couple years ago, I was the guest on another podcast called The Frame Savers, which was a speedrunning podcast, and it was also my favorite podcast at the time. And in that episode, I got the chance to speak with one of the hosts of the show, Author Blues, and talk about the infamous Dodonpachi score glitch, now known as the Double GP glitch, or the Glitch-O glitch, which sounds funny enough, but is catchy. And in that episode, my two goals were not only to explain this very specific situation to the speedrunning audience, which I thought might be intrigued by it, but also to sort of sneakily start to promote the genre of shmups among speedrunners and hopefully make some cross-pollination happen. Unfortunately, that goal was never achieved, at least through this broadcast, because not long after this episode was aired, through no fault of my own, it ended up being taken off the internet because the Frame Savers podcast itself was cancelled, and not just cancelled in the no longer on TV sort of cancelled, but in the 2018 no you're cancelled sort of cancelled. And unfortunately, along with the other episodes, went my Dodonpachi score glitch episode. And so for about a year or so, it was just gone from the internet. I didn't have access to it. And so I wondered if it would ever return. Luckily, Author Blues decided to upload the entire archive of the Frame Savers podcast last month to archive.org. And I asked permission a while ago, actually, if when he did this, I could rebroadcast this episode. And he said, sure, that's fine. And so this is what I've decided to do because this is an episode that I actually put a lot of time and effort into, especially for then when the Frame Savers audience was much bigger than my audience. I think by the time this thing was taken off of SoundCloud, because, uh, you know, the re- well, along with the rest of the episodes, I think it reached around 3,000 or so plays. And so, and at the time, I probably was working with 250 to 500 listens per episode. So it was a big bump in my mind. But the thing about it that sort of bothered me is that now that it's no longer in circulation, it's kind of, you know, not going to be heard. And so I thought, well, even though the Frame Savers audience is no more, the Electric Underground audience is still alive and thriving. And you all would probably enjoy listening to this episode, especially since it's such an interesting context of me trying to sell shmups to the speedrunning audience. Maybe you could share it with your friends who are speedrunners, something like that. I mean, its original intent may still be viable to some degree. And so I thought, let's rebroadcast this episode. I'm also a sort of protective person when it comes to my content or the content that I contribute to. And so I don't really like the idea of something that I put so much time and effort in disappearing from the internet altogether just because of um, some outside circumstances that have nothing to do with me. And so I'm hoping you all enjoy this episode. And I thought I'll do a little bit of a history lesson here just to give you context. And also maybe if there are any OG Frame Savers fans out there, you all can kind of get an update to what happened after the recording of this episode because actually a lot happened. So what happened was initially I was going through and I was talking with the speedrunners on the Frame Savers Discord because there was a good amount of people who were interested in glitch hunting and exploits and finding routes and all that in speedrunning. And I thought, what if they turned those talents towards the genre of shmups and specifically this infamous glitch which had been discovered in the 90s and was critical to getting the world record but was kept with Yakuza-like silence among the Japanese super players where to reveal the glitch was not only just to be a little stinker but was also like breaking trust and promises and considered a pretty big deal so in order to make this glitch happen 
the afterword of this episode is that I launched what was the Dodonpachi score glitch bounty along with a number of other shmup players. And through the whole process and trial of that bounty and everything surrounding it and just the energy that it brought, the glitch was actually discovered by a Western shmup player, Lakisto. Shoutouts to him. And I mean, he's a real Dodonpachi scientist. And so... I think it is fitting that he spent so many years looking for the thing and actually finally ended up discovering it. It wasn't just a big splash among the Western players, which I assume. It was actually a huge thing among the Japanese players. I made some friends and enemies, or not so strong fans, I guess you could say, along the way, but there was press coverage, like actual gaming, Japanese gaming magazines wrote articles about and everything. It was actually much more of a big deal in Japan than it was in the West, ironically enough. That makes sense because they do take their shmups more seriously out there. So I thought it'd be fun to take a trip down memory lane and listen back to the events leading up to the score glitch bounty and me sort of just trying to sell this idea of shmups are a legit competitive genre to speedrunners. In fact, they are so competitive that there are these deep-seated secrets and rivalries and people take this very, very personally, and so I felt like if the speedrunning world can't get enough of drama, this could be a little bit of dose of drama for them. Now, at the time, this is 2018 or so, I think, when this was recorded, this was when drama in speedrunning was, oh my gosh, this guy might have cheated, or oh my gosh, the person is not showing the routes until they reveal their world record, like Behemoth, how naughty, how unsportsmanly, or whatever. Now the level of drama and speedrunning has gotten out of control to where we're getting court cases, people are getting sued, people are making deep personal attacks against one another, industries are involved, scientists, the arms race of drama and speedrunning has hit, I think honestly, reality TV levels, so it is kind of fun to look back a little bit on the more low-key style gaming drama where it was really just about playing the game and oh my gosh, I want to know what the glitch is type of thing. I mean, it is kind of tame looking back on it now, but it was still a lot of fun to discuss. And I hope you all enjoy it because this was an episode that I put a lot of time and research into. And it was actually really useful for me because I learned a lot about Japan and how the way they do things specifically for this episode, which has helped me throughout my shmupping, YouTubing career. And so I thought, let's not let this go to waste. So this is a bit of a remastered version where I went back through and I edited my audio, you know, did some noise reduction, did some noise gating. I had to do a little bit more hands-on editing back in the day because my mic quality wasn't as good as it is now, as you will hear. But it's also fun to listen back to young, fresh-faced Mark. There was a real sort of naive quality to those episodes that I find sort of endearing and maybe I'm just being nostalgic. Anyway, that's enough for the intro. I hope you all enjoy the infamous Dodonpachi score glitch as presented by the Framesavers. On this TFS pocket, one ancient Japanese secret to top the score attack leaderboards. episode 48 of the frame savers the frame savers is a podcast about speedrunning and speedrunning is a hobby obviously as you know about playing video games as quickly as possible using really any tips tricks or strategies uh wherever possible and it's kind of interesting we don't often get a chance to talk about 
unusual genres here, especially um, considering the speedrunning community tends to be so heavily focused on specific types of games. You know, we we focus really heavily on platformers and, and occasionally we'll branch out to other things. RPGs even kind of occasionally get the nose turned up to them for whatever reason. But, you know, lately we've been trying to talk about more and more things. Uh, we just recently uh, did an episode where we, we covered a handful of other topics. So uh, one of our most recent episodes was talking about beat-em-ups, which is a genre that really does get some speedrunning attention, but not quite as much. And then before that, we talked about action RPGs. And today, we're actually joined uh, by Mark, the host of the Electric Underground podcast, to talk about shmups a little bit. So how are you doing, Mark? Doing well. So so I guess the I guess the short version is just talk to us a little bit about shmups. What, what are shmups in the simplest terms? All right. Well, I guess for a more formal definition, uh, shmups are a genre of video games where you're basically locked into scrolling. And the goal of shmups is really shooting enemies, dodging bullets, and getting high scores. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is primarily like a score attack sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've actually seen um, in the speedrunning community a few a few shmups maybe get a little bit of attention over time. Uh, Gradius three has been one of them. You know, we've seen uh, Toad and a few other speedrunners working on Gradius three. We've seen uh, a handful of speedrunners work on Fantasy Zone, for instance, uh, on the Sega Master System and on other consoles. But uh, shmups just aren't really a topic that comes up a lot. And uh, this story sort of fell into my lap a little bit talking with Mark uh pretty recently he um he he came to the Framesavers Discord and was talking a little bit about an issue that was going on in the community and just in general wanted to know people's opinions about things and I thought it would make for a pretty interesting episode considering how much it actually feels like it overlaps with the speedrunning community sort of the ethos about it so um can you maybe like just let's let's just jump right into it let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the shmup community uh that sort of introduced this whole episode initially Sure. So I think there's two things going on in the Western shmup community that kind of ended up coming together for this episode. The first thing is that I'm a player of a shmup known as Dodampachi. It's a pretty well-known shmup within the community. I don't know how much outside it, but... So in Dodampachi, there's this interesting glitch in the game where basically in order to get a world record score, you need to know how to get this glitch. But ever since it was discovered in the 90s, it has been pretty much unknown to the Western community how to do it. And even now, there is no video of it. There's no, there's people who know about it, but the people who do, who do know can't really speak what it is or how to do it. And so one day I thought for the hell of it, maybe I'll reach out to some of the tassers in this speedrunning community to see if anyone would be interested in kind of investigating the glitch or not. So that was the, I guess, first element. And then the second element that I'm sure we'll talk more about later is how we keep track of scores in the shmup community, because I'm kind of dissatisfied with it. (laughs) I think we're kind of stuck in the past, honestly. I think a lot of people feel that way as well. So in a lot of the discussions, I've been pointing to places like speedrun.com as examples of something we could follow, where we have, you know, videos available, we have more interactive type way to post your scores and stuff like that rather than just a list of numbers and names because i think newcomers they see you know mark msx 80 million what does that mean you know (laughs) so having videos and having things like that really i think make a difference and help bring people into the community honestly 
Yeah, you, you sort of get a lack of context when you just see a score listed with nothing else. It kind of one of the parallels that we were talking about a lot in preparing for this episode is the comparison back to the Twin Galaxies days of speedrunning, because uh, back when when speedrunning was still in its infancy and there was really no proper home for speedrunning, one of the sites that had uh, started off organizing speedruns was Twin Galaxies, which a lot of people are probably familiar mm-hmm. with, with the controversy that had gone on with Todd Rogers and, and Billy Mitchell uh, having their scores taken down for presumably cheating. Um, but Twin Galaxies, if you're not familiar with it, is a website that has uh, gone by the moniker of the official electronic scoreboard mm-hmm. or the Worldwide Authority on Player Rankings. Um, it was founded in 1981 by Walter Day, uh, and it was one of the earliest uh, video games ranking authorities and they had created like fastest completion categories um, in response to the infancy of speedrunning and typically not really talking to speedrunners about it. They had just created these categories and some rules surrounding them uh, and they were almost always glitchless. They were almost always a lot of restrictions on them that didn't necessarily make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the real analogy here for the shmup community is typically when new records were posted the verifier so they would receive videos in the mail perhaps which is maybe even more advanced than you're talking about but um, they would receive videos in the mail and then they would just post about the time that was achieved who achieved it with some rudimentary split times for instance right. the, the best example you can find of some of this is if you go back and look at uh, retro's history uh, or the world record progression video for ocarina of time speedrunning and uh, he references some posts on twin galaxies where they would say you know the player entered uh the Deku tree at this time entered Dodongo's cavern at this time. And that was really all the information you would get would be these like rudimentary split times, but there were no discussion of strats that was kept very private besides what maybe a player was willing to divulge on their own. Um, that was considered to be kind of a trade secret. almost. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so it really did feel like a natural analogy here to this. You know, when when Mark started talking about this topic, uh, you know, you mentioned that it was almost it was almost legally protected. These straps, yes. they were that private in many ways. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I can talk a little bit more about, I guess, the details of that. Uh, the first thing is that, like I uh, wanted to mention earlier, is that the Western shmup community, you know, people don't like when I use that term because. There's a lot of dynamics there, but for better, for lack of a better term, the Western shmup community, so non-Japanese, non-Korean, non-Chinese, uh, we have a very different scene that's basically completely separate from the Japanese scene. The Japanese scene is far more advanced than us in both knowledge and skill, and they kind of just keep to themselves, do their own thing, have their own rules. They're kind of the center of shmups, so to say, and we're kind of on the outside looking in sort of thing. Does it seem like they're working together? Like, like are they sharing with each other, just not sharing outside of their community? Absolutely. So, one okay. interesting thing, I think if anyone in the audience has a background with fighting games, this kind of sounds kind of familiar. But So, how the Japanese scene works is that with each individual arcade is like a community that belongs to that arcade. And a lot of arcades are kind of rivals with each other and they compete with each other for scores. And this dates back, you know, to the 80s, early 90s, and even today. And so, if you keep that in mind, a lot of the things that go on in the shmup community make a lot more sense. So, for instance, with the DDP glitch, that's Dodonpachi. With the Dodonpachi glitch, the people who discovered that score way back in the 90s kept it within their circle of players 
because the way that scores are submitted within Japan, they are verified, but the verification process is not video. And so、uh, a competing arcade would see, oh, this player had this score, but they don't know how they achieved it. And so it was, it was possible、okay. to keep these strats completely secret. And for a lot of shmup players, it's not just about flying your ship or dodging the bullets. It's also about coming up with the strategies and routing and scoring patterns. That's another aspect of the game. So it, it was considered, yeah. yeah, like fair play to keep your strats and routes secret because it was part of the competition. That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's something that we definitely don't face in the speedrun community because, I mean, you, you can go back and make the analogy to Twin Galaxies again, where sometimes scores were verified in person by a referee.、Mm-hmm. And so there was not necessarily ever video evidence of any of these scores. But at least in the speedrun community,、uh, word of mouth was typically considered to be acceptable proof relatively early on until the age of You know, for instance,、uh, SDA、sure. kind of kicking off、yeah. the scene.、Uh, you know, any console could be routed through a VCR. And so, you know,、uh, anecdotally, there's, there's stories of people sending, you know, a box of like 20 VHS <laughs> tapes to get their、uh, RPG verified by SDA <laughs> because that was the way that you did it back then. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of, I've heard about that quite a bit with the Golden Light community where they'd have to send VHS copies to each other to get the scores up or the videos uploaded. Well, it's got to be way easier for console.、Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about these,、uh, you know, often quite obscure, quite,、uh, maybe technically challenging cabinets to, to record. I mean, aside from just having a, a video camera sitting over your shoulder, I mean, this was certainly an era before cell phones yeah, were prevalent.、Absolutely. I mean, how would you even record your, how would you even record your gameplay back then? Yeah, it wasn't, I don't think it was even a concept for a lot of、uh, players back then. Because, yeah, getting some kind of external capture of a arcade cabinet, that's like a professional type production, you know? It's not the same thing as re- recording into a VCR or anything like that. I mean, they did exist, but they're usually sponsored by the companies who made the shmups, like those old VHS tapes, world record VHS tapes. You can find some of those. And yeah, it's really cool to see, but it was pretty uncommon. So I guess I. So if the Western community, if the Western community knew about these scores, so what were they doing to try to figure out how to play at the same level that the Japanese players or the,、uh, the, the rest of the players were playing? Well, I think a lot of the, even today, a lot of the high record holders within the Western community, if they can't get their hands on the tapes themselves, they go out to Japan and they go to the arcades and watch the Japanese players play. I mean, it's crazy.、Wow. I mean, as an American, you know, that sounds like, Wow, that's, that's, that's dedication right there. But some of these top shmup players in the West are extremely dedicated to this genre and going to Japan and being in the arcades is like their, their pilgrimage to shmups, I guess. So <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the trip to Mecca. That, yeah, exactly. So that, I think that was one huge way of people picking up on the routes and strategies. I mean, of course, there's videos that get shared and stuff like that, even back in the day, or you could order, Like super play DVDs from the actual companies that make the shmups and, or VHSs that make the shmups and things like that.、Um, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess to help kind of paint a picture for the listeners out there. So, even today, the way scores are verified in the Japanese community is that. So, when you're playing for score in Japan, you actually have to play for like official score. You have to play on what's known as a verified cabinet in a verified arcade or verified 
shop of some kind. So let's say you had a cabinet at home and you played at home. That wouldn't count. You have to actually go to a verified cabinet, achieve your score on the verified cabinet. And then the owner of the arcade comes over and looks at your, you know, your score screen, records the score and then submits it. And that's how scores are verified. So, so not even, not even watching all of the play, just sort of come over and check on my score. Yes, that I got. exactly. And okay. yeah. And of course, the thing about Japan too is a lot of the world record holders are all in the same arcade together. So one world record holder could sit down and play, get up, and then the next guy could come, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, right. the, the community is extremely tight-knit. The, I guess an example would be is if you had all the best Ocarina of Time speedrunners living in the same town together, and they meet up and play Ocarina of Time together, <laughs> I guess it would be kind of an well, interesting way to think about it. Well, the GoldenEye, the GoldenEye <laughs> community has definitely had meetups of that variety where they all kind of get together for a week and just uh, play nothing but GoldenEye for a week straight. Yeah. But yeah. That, I mean, that, that obviously sounds like it's a, a special challenge. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly the way Twin Galaxies was too. I mean, Twin Galaxies, you had to play on, on verified hardware. The only difference is presumably you had a referee watching the whole time, but uh, I, I can definitely see where there's some uh, potential for questions. Even if no one is necessarily uh, call, proof calling anything, you can kind of draw your own conclusions that, uh, I mean, there's at least the opportunity for impropriety. Sure. I think a lot of what the concern about the way the Japanese scores are recorded and verified now isn't so much about, you know, like falsifying scores or things like that, especially since the Japanese community, you know, Japan as a culture, they're very serious about that kind of thing. They're very serious about fair play. Like what much sure. more so than I think Westerners are. So I think, you know, the, the idea of honor in the shmup community is another big thing that explains another reason why some of these glitches and strategies aren't shared, even though a large group of players know them. It's because a lot of the people who learn them kind of promise or there's like an implied promise. This isn't your strategy. So without permission, you will not share it. And so there's lots of times where, yeah, a lot of people know the secret, but will not will not tell about the glitch or will not you can't talk about it even if you have known or have used the strategy even if you played it in front of someone else you may not be able to discuss exactly what you're doing because it's not your property yeah exactly exactly uh it's kind of interesting. I mean, we've we've sort of faced that problem with historical records in the speedrun community because um, you know the most popular video sharing site uh, in in Japan, at least for the purposes of live recording, is Nico Nico Video. Oh, that's and, amazing. Um, Same thing with Schmaps. Yeah, they're right, and their their community, at least the speedrun communities, or, or rather, as they refer to them, the RTA communities, um, their their time attack leaderboards are often just. A person's name and a number. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's just, uh, that's all you get. And so, um, you know, going back and looking at historical records, there's really no reason to call them into question. Often they've been beaten significantly by this time. So there's no reason to necessarily cast aspersions on them. But, uh, if you're looking at a run that you're trying to take some information from, um, often there's no video associated with them. Even if they had attempted to record the video, uh, Nico Nico video mm -hmm. is not exactly great oh, yeah. about maintaining. <laughs> historical videos so uh even if they did try to provide a link to it there's no guarantee that link even still works or still goes to a valid video oh yeah nico nico i'm doing a project right now where i'm trying to do like trying to gather together as much shmup video content as i can to kind of help the community 
And yeah, there's times where on Nico Nico, they, you know, a lot of shmup runs are about 40, 30 minutes long in there. And Nico Nico sometimes breaks those bad boys up to like eight, nine pieces. I'm like linking nine videos and then. So yeah, Nico has many challenges of its own. But I think another really interesting aspect of this story that I think is very unique to Japan. And again, it's hard for us to kind of understand in the Western community is that, you know, things have evolved these days. You know, Nico Nico exists, YouTube exists. And, you know, there are Japanese players who are interested in sharing their runs, sharing their replays. It's not like they're totally against it. But an interesting hurdle they've run into is the copyright law in Japan, where there's a famous example of a shmup player, a top shmup player, I can't name what player he was, but a top shmup player who shared his replay and ended up getting banned from his arcade. And the reason for it was because sharing replays for members of the arcade was forbidden because the arcade was afraid they would get sued by the the video game company that owned the shmup. And some of them are notorious for doing that. So, and that's another hurdle a lot of these Japanese players face is they're kind of intimidated to publicly share their records with fear of getting banned or getting sued. So just imagine Nintendo YouTube policies, I guess, would be a kind of good example. But way even but more Like aggressive. more aggressive, yeah. I mean, that's something that a lot of the um, the Tetris Super players yes, are facing exactly. right now. I was, seeing, yeah. I was seeing some tweets coming around from that saying that if you didn't include exactly the right information in the description of your YouTube videos, if you had posted Tetris the Grandmaster videos, that potentially uh, Akira might take the videos down. So, um, yeah, we ran into that problem with uh, at at the GDQs. Um, the 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 arcade cabinets that are there were privately owned, and um, the the owners of the cabinets were concerned about if we wanted to record video off of the cabinets, whether or not that would necessarily be uh, acceptable. They were they were uh, un unsure yeah. whether or not that would get some of their connections uh, get them banned from some of their connections for obtaining arcade cabinets. Yeah. Yeah, and the world of arcade hardware is, it's funny because I know I'm not a, you know, major speedrunner or anything like that, but I do have a lot of, you know, familiarity with the speedrunning scene. And I know a lot of people are talking about using original hardware and, you know, the the problems associated with that. But imagine if you're Nintendo 64, instead of, you know, having to go out and pay 60, 70 bucks for it, you have to fly to Japan, you know, meet some back alley type stuff or like, have special connections just to get an N64. I mean, original yeah. hardware... Original hardware's got to be way harder. Yeah, original hardware in the shmup community is a pretty big issue because not only is it extremely hard to come by and extremely limited, like, there, it's just not feasible for everyone to play on original hardware. I mean, price-wise, you know, a lot of these things go for five grand up, even the more common ones, but also there just wouldn't be enough original hardware to go around for everyone because another thing about um, arcade PCBs is they're extremely fragile and they're extremely hard to repair. And so most people who get them just preserve them. I mean, there are people who play them, of course, but the the higher end titles, I mean, you just dropped nine grand on it. <laughs> you got to be really careful. Sure. So. Yeah, that that makes total sense. Um, you know, I've definitely I've, I've seen instances that we have 
um, especially within beat-em-ups, um, there's a lot of uh, arcade speedrunners who will sometimes seek out the boards uh, for their respective games. But even those, for how prevalent they are here in the States, um, they're, they're probably not spending a small amount. Yeah. And then on top of that, recording off of them is a pretty elaborate setup. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to purchase the super gun to, to record off of the board. You've got to have the right hardware just to display it on a monitor locally. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a small investment to get everything configured properly. And that's just me as someone who's not involved in the arcade scene mentioning the few problems I know. I'm sure that there's a dozen more that I'm not aware of. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm a huge shmup player. I don't own a single PCB. So I guess there's a good, <laughs> there's a good example for you. There are people who do, of course, but it's not like a totally common thing by any means. So would you say that in the shmup speedrun or speedrun score <laughs> attack community that it's uh, pretty prevalent to play on Mame or Mess? Absolutely. There's actually a special build of Mame called Shmup Mame that was built just for that purpose because um, I don't know how many of you use Mame out there, but the original build of Mame's gotten better over the years. But you know, back even a few few years ago, it was known for being pretty laggy, and that you know lags a big deal in shmups. So there's a special build of MAME called the Shmup MAME. You can still get it. And it really reduces the input lag a lot. So yeah, MAME's a huge, a lot of really great records were set on MAME. Absolutely. So 
So what's the what's the good news here? Is there sort of movement happening in the right direction, even if not for the Japanese community, but maybe even for the Western community? Is there movement in the right direction for getting scores put in a more centralized location or at least categorized better? Well, there is and there isn't. <laughs> I don't. It's a really interesting backstory to this, and it involves me. So I guess I can give the the TLDR, but. So, yes, so the thing about the Western shmup community, because now I, I think it's more interesting to talk about the West, because I'm a lot more familiar with that, obviously, is that the Western shmup community has a local a site that I'm sure many of you are familiar with called Shmup's System 11. That's the shmup forums. A lot of people use that. And what's happening, though, with the shmups forums is I personally feel that the shmups forums are kind of stuck in the past. I made a post about this on the shmup forums with... Some pretty heated feedback. Some people who agreed with me but felt like, yeah, well, it's too much work or whatever. Who cares kind of thing. But then there's also a some other areas in the shmup community, like the French community especially. I th I'm a big admirer of what they're doing. And they have their own scoreboard now that I think is the future direction. It's very similar kind of to speedrun.com. It has like it has a, a more beautiful layout than just text. It has searchable games. It has videos uh, linked. It has um, like a place where you can put comments. The tables are organized very nicely. And so I think there, there's a really good example. And the French community in general in Schmups is kind of a little more forward thinking than I think the rest of us. Is there a big uh, demand for this sort of thing? So, like, the largest shmup community, I imagine, much like speedrunning, it's broken up game by game more than just sort of in general. But um, for for whatever you would say the largest shmup community there is, um, is it is there a high demand for this sort of thing? Like, do you, are, do you, are there a lot of players, and do those players seem like they would receive well the idea of recording their playback? <laughs> That's a really good question. So... Earlier today, in, pre in preparation for the, you know this episode, I've been talking with a lot of the you know shmup members in my Discord, and um, a lot of them of the higher level players, the more well known Western players, feel like, and I feel this way too, that there aren't enough of us. Actually, the shmup community is extremely small, and especially when you compare it to the speedrunning community, we're like a dot on the map compared to your guys' size. So, a, a good example is I'm a newer player i've been around for three or four years i'm playing dodonpachi my scores aren't like amazing but they're they're getting higher and higher and i can literally talk with in uh i've literally talked to basically the highest ranked players on the community and there's about three or four of us maybe still playing the game right now and that's one of the more popular shmups and so how does that compare to the Japanese community? Is there is there a much larger yes, scene over yes, there that's still absolutely active? the Japanese community is much more active than we are. And um, yeah, there's there the level of play in the Japanese community is much, much higher as well. Like we're talking about, for instance, the highest known recorded replay of Dodonpachi is just by some unknown Japanese guy. <laughs> he just recorded his run and uploaded it and there it is that's the highest recorded run and we i was talking to like all my connections like who is this guy I'm like i don't know he's just some dude because okay. <laughs> the world the world record holders videos aren't um publicly available though there is a video of him playing live at stunfest and his live demonstration so think of this his live demonstration is among 
some of the highest videos ever, like around, and that's just insane. So yeah, the okay. Western, the Western. I feel like one thing we're really trying to push, you know, in the shmup community, at least me, is trying to get more people playing these games for score. So there is a good amount of people who play shmups. They kind of, you know, they play them here and there and move on. And so I think the shmup community could really benefit from more active players, more play, players playing for score. Well, I mean, you know, not to, not to pre, preemptively, uh, throw in my own opinions, but I certainly think that, um, the, the advent of video proof in order to sort of give a proof of concept to new players who might be interested in participating, um, you know, video evidence o- only helps more people get involved. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully we see, you know, you said that the French community already seems to be making steps in the right yeah, direction. Hopefully that, hopefully that takes hold and, and moves forward. You made it sound like the French community and the, uh, I guess the community that you would consider yourself a part of is also separated. Is it that, uh, are the lines drawn with that granularity as well? Um, I wouldn't say so. I mean, they are, but it's more of just like a language barrier thing more than anything else. It's not, okay. the communities are extremely similar, the the English speaking community. And when I say English speaking, actually most people I interact with are actually European, but they know how to speak English. I mean, there are Americans, of course, but I'd say Europe is, there's probably, as far as active players, there's definitely more Europeans than Americans. And um, sure, yeah, and I've actually had a lot of collaboration with the French community, Um yeah, it's they're just a little bit more isolated just because they speak French and they have their own French language content. Their form is in French. But there's definitely been a lot more effort between the two communities to interact with each other more and stuff like that, for sure. I guess I have to ask then, uh, you know, considering that with the how, with how expensive original hardware is for arcade uh, given that most people are probably playing on mame or a build of mame of some sort uh what what's stopping more people from producing video content then i i have to imagine that the western <laughs> players uh are if not already are at least starting to produce more video proof of of score attack right um what's what's preventing that from really taking a proper hold and becoming the de facto way to uh validate your progress to be honest i have no idea i mean without sounding just dismissive i think i'll just a lot of people in the western shmup community well the thing is a lot of people who put up really high scores do produce videos and replays but there's just a lot of scores like 90 percent of them that just don't have video and um i can't i honestly can't explain why i put a whole thread together about this topic and i got a lot of feedback and a lot of the feedback was you know why bother the japanese are so much better you know my scores are never gonna matter who cares no one cares why bother and you know i've been trying to explain that just because your run isn't world record, just because your replay isn't, you know, because I think a lot of people watch super plays of shmups and, you know, I mean, there's some really high level gameplay that goes on and it's pretty amazing. And I think a lot of people get to the feeling, well, it's embarrassing if I only get to stage six, I don't one all it, I don't no miss it, I don't clear it without dying. And I think that might, right. it just might be something as simple as that. Another thing too is that the current forum where we post our scores or most people post their scores, there's no 
formatting for video links. There's no, like, the, the scoreboards, there's no place to put a video link anyway. Like, when I upload, yeah, okay. when I post my scores on there, I put a video link in my submission, but it never ends up on the board. It's just down at the bottom of the page somewhere. Gotcha. Yeah, that I mean, that sounds like a special challenge. And it's certainly something that the speedrunning community has had to overcome. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. If you sort of find yourself in a situation where you're looking at a, a super play of something, you know, it, it's really easy to look at the the world record holder for Super Mario Brothers 1 and say, you know, I'll never play that fast. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. You know, providing providing runs of all different skill levels on the on a leaderboard is is very helpful. It, it um, gives sort of an introductory player steps to take. You yeah, know, you exactly. see the first layer, the first tier of runs and you say, okay, I'm going to achieve this. And then once you achieve that, then you sort of look to the next tier. Um, it almost sounds like the Western community is sort of uh, following a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, almost self-defeating, if you'd rather, um, in that, you know, you see that the the Japanese community isn't sharing their videos, at least outside of Japan. And so you say, well, why bother sharing videos at all if they're not going to share theirs with us? But at least sharing videos internally helps to, uh, you know, foster that that understanding, foster the information necessary for Western players to hopefully one day achieve the same skill level. Yeah. And I think one problem that does come up that kind of clouds things is that there are people who play on PCB, but I wouldn't say there's a lot of them. <laughs> it's definitely not these days. And I think it's just kind of like, you know, not moving forward with the times, to be honest, because like we've we've had a lot of discussion about this among the, among my discord and among kind of the, the people involved. And a lot of, and I'm kind of an advocate. I guess I should say this. I'm not representing the view of the larger shmup community. I'm more of an advocate pushing the shmup community to do videos, do, you know, do video content with your, your scores. Don't just post a number and call it a day because like I, I agree. It, it really gives no context to what, what is going on in your run. And there's a lot of strategies involved with shmups that, you know, you're not going to see, you know, people doing world record strategies if they're not a world record holder. And there's alternate sure. strategies that you use instead. And if you never see anyone using those alternate strategies, you won't even know they exist. It's also hard because, um, you know, there's there's been countless times I, I have the I have the the for, good fortune to be involved in so many speed game communities from from all of the different games that I've run. And I can't tell you how many times that even just watching someone blind play through a game, you discover something that you wouldn't have even thought to try on your own. Um, but you discover it from a player who doesn't have nearly the skill you do. Um, and so losing videos because someone says, well, I'm not even close to world record. That doesn't mean that they don't have something in there that's worth noting. It doesn't mean that they didn't discover something that could be useful to even the world record holder. Yeah. And I think there's just a really large mindset for optimization, like optimization, optimization. A lot of people, you know, think that way. And yeah, like there's a concept called, I'm sure you guys might be aware of it, called playing for survival versus playing for score. So like a lot of times when you sit down to play a shmup, if you're not a, you know, a hardcore shmup player, you're not trying to rack up high scores. You're just trying to stay alive because shmups right. are one of the genres where that is a huge challenge, a massive challenge. 
and shmups can uh, reward you or punish you in different ways for doing that. And so a lot of people who play shmups don't really have an interest in playing for the score uh, aspects of it because, you know, the challenge is greatly increased on top of an extremely challenging game. And there's kind of a period you go through with shmups where you kind of start off, at least for me, I did, playing for survival, just trying to get to the end of the game. That's all you're worried about. And then going back and learning the score later on. And a lot of people in the Western Shmup community never quite graduate beyond that. And so their, their scores are usually very low. And then, you know, there's that. Then they look at the top scores and they're like, I'm never getting there. It's impossible. I don't even know how it's possible. And like you're saying, we make it even harder because we're not showing any steps to that path. It's just the world record, the, you know, upper records, and maybe some middle video in there somewhere, and then the bottom records, and there's no videos attached to those. So I think it's a problem that the shmup community needs to start working through. And it has a lot of challenges associated with it, of course, but... Hopefully, you know, that's one thing I'm definitely working on for sure. Well, hopefully we will see in time uh, a website or or otherwise some tool available for making the that sort of information available to new and old players um, to hopefully foster all of that information. Yeah, definitely. And I, I should mention, though, that things have been improving. It's not like they're going backwards. <laughs> it's just like we're I just feel like compared to the speedrunning community, we're about like eight years behind you guys. It's like everything the speedrunning went through eight years ago, that's where we are now, I guess, is a good way to think about it. It's interesting to think, considering how much older the, the score attack community probably yeah. is compared to speedrunning. Yeah, it is. It, it was surprising to me that it's the way it is, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I I think a lot of it has to do with its arcade roots and the, the, Jap- the roots in Japanese culture and kind of, you know, following that that style rather than, you know, the speedrun community is a lot more, I feel like, um, it's hard It's hard to say exactly, but I guess a lot more likely to push for things like video, a lot more likely to push for things like sharing of strategies and tasking games and things like that. Yeah, there have definitely been instances in the speedrunning community where people have been not necessarily ostracized, but um, criticized for hiding strats. It's it's something that I think the speedrunning community have has a real a real built in ethos surrounding. Even if you don't necessarily have the world record, if you discover information, it's pretty much expected that you're going to share it with everyone. And and people who withhold information like that for long periods of time, just in order to better their chances of getting a world record, typically are looked on unfavorably. Um, that's, that's typically frowned upon if someone says, yeah, I've known about this strat for a year, but I was waiting until I could get the world record to show it off. That's usually not viewed very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hoarding strats and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that there's a lot to that though. I think that, um, it, it goes really deep because on one hand, the speedrunning community has, has advanced, I think, far enough to the point now where there isn't just an expectation that you share findings, but that you share them in excruciating detail. So if you discover something like a, a glitch that might help in a particular game, it's not just expected that you tell people, by the way, I found this. It's expected that you're going to go through the trouble of 
explaining exactly how to achieve it, how to use it, maybe a video tutorial uh, of how it works. Um, whether or not that necessarily is uh, the happy medium, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily think that that's the happy medium. I think that a lot of burden is sometimes put on people to have to uh, spoon feed everyone <laughs> else the information sure. that was discovered. Um, but I do think that the long run uh, benefits of the community are much greater because as people feel like they have a duty to share information that they found, uh, so in fact, do people feel like they are also going to be the recipients of that sort of behavior. Yeah, and I think I should definitely should clarify just because there's so much going on, I probably might give the wrong impression. But the spe uh, the shmup community itself is actually like extremely welcoming and extremely eager to help new players because there's not enough of us. So, for instance, right. me, I started playing Dodonpachi seriously this year, like before I was playing it for survival, just trying to get through it. And this year I decided, okay, I'm going to start playing for score. And I go into the Discord and I get, I'm getting advice from the best players around, like detailed, in-depth advice. Here's what you need to do. Like, yeah, the, the shmup community is extremely eager to communicate and help each other. Definitely. It's not, it's that the issue is more of just, I guess, making some kind of record of that <laughs> interaction, right? Whether it's videos, right. guides, just stuff like more content more than anything. So, uh, sort of in conclusion to round this out, uh, give me some good news. Uh, hopefully, has any progress been made toward figuring out what's going on in this glitch that apparently the Japanese players are, uh, are oh, aware sure. of, but not helping everyone else be aware of? Well, I don't know about the Dodonpachi glitch itself, to be honest. Um, as far as I feel like people have gotten tired of looking for it. There was a player, a Western player, who triggered it one time, and he can't remember how he did it, but there's a lot of suspicion about what might be causing it. And I think the good news is is that let's say uh, a Western player starts to close in on the world record score, because getting the world record score isn't just about this one glitch. I guess I should definitely clarify that. I mean... Playing Dodonpachi is an extremely technically challenging game, and even getting close to the world record score takes years and years of dedication and practice. But I think, honestly, if someone came really close to that world record score and they needed the glitch to make it, there there's enough channels and ways for them to get in contact with people to learn to learn the glitch and probably use it. But... Yeah, like I said, though, that's <laughs> it's hard. It's like kind of a double edged sword in a lot of ways. I mean, there's definitely reasons why you can understand why the glitch is still kind of kept secret within the Japanese community. But at this point, too, if it just feels like maybe it's a little overdue, to be honest. But <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and, and close this one out. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you being here. Why don't you, uh, tell our fantastic listeners all about the cool projects that you work on? Where can they find you? Well, absolutely. Um, you can definitely find me on the electric underground podcast. That's kind of the main thing I do. Just type shmup podcast and it'll come right up for you in Google. Um, I also have a YouTube yeah. channel that I probably should promote a little more because I'm, I actually do a lot of work on an emulator called shmup arch. That's, kind of an evolution of shmup mame it's just more responsive faster um and it's gonna probably have better compatibility in the future and i help work on that so that's another reason to check out my youtube channel and i'm also going to nice. start you know like i mentioned 
a lot of these problems, I feel like I'm kind of trying my best to, you know, address them. And so one thing I'm going to be working on for my YouTube channel is you, I'm sure you guys are familiar with uh, our White Goose's uh, speed lore series. Yeah, yeah, he play, he makes really. Uh, I don't think we've we've necessarily plugged it on this podcast, but um, our White Goose is an incredibly prominent uh, GoldenEye 007 speedrunner for the N64, and uh, the history of that community is unlike any other when it comes to speedrunning communities. And he makes incredibly high quality videos of um, the history behind specific levels. They're fantastic. If you've never seen them, you should check them out. His speed lore videos are second to none when it comes to high quality speed rating content. Yeah, and the reason I brought it up is because I feel like the shmup community has a lot in common with the Goldeneye community. I mean, dating back to old, you know, the old forum culture, the just a lot of the ways the speedrunning or uh, the shmup community works is pretty similar to how the Goldeneye community works, honestly. And I was sitting there thinking about, okay, how can we make video content that's just not super plays? For the shmup community and i watched his series and i was like i need to do this with shmups because there's so much like legendary history behind these runs and scores that are completely unknown to most of the world so i'm gonna start a video project shmup lore right <laughs> where i'm gonna do that a very a similar thing but with uh shmups starting with dodonpachi well, I think that that's really great because uh, one thing that I've often said when it comes to the speed lore videos is that I'm not a GoldenEye 007 speedrunner. I don't uh, particularly follow the scene all that well. And I think um, GoldenEye 007 has a perception in the speedrunning community of being a relatively boring speedrun. Um, just for whatever reason, the, the levels are short. They're, they're time attack on a very granular scale. And uh, the game has a tendency to maybe be sometimes perceived as uninteresting to watch. But I will say that Speed Lord does a fantastic job of taking what would otherwise be considered an uninteresting speed game and making it really exciting and, and makes you really care about it. So, you know, if you can do a tenth of sure. that with yeah. shmups, I think, I think that'll bring a lot of really great attention, uh, a lot of well-deserved great attention to a, a genre that maybe is underappreciated. I hope so. And I just, there's a lot of stories, you know, that it's so hard to get into otherwise, you know, like... A lot of backstories to a lot of these scores. A lot of these players have very interesting histories, for sure. For sure. Well, I googled it, and it turns out if you type in speedrun podcast, you don't get the frame savers as the very first thing. Dang. Boy, are we up there. Dang. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta talk to you about um, better SEO strats to to get us to the top of the the Google.com <laughs> leaderboards. The way to do uh, it is not if, name your podcast after a famous dubstep podcast because <laughs> if you type in electric okay. underground you're going to get a what er edm <laughs> podcast so you got to go a shmup podcast but my goal these are real these are real 2000s yeah. problems my goal is to beat the other electric underground podcast on google so when you type it in it's mine instead of them <laughs> Well, let's let's help That's him get the goal. there. Uh, everyone who's listened to this, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed listening to Mark, he has his own podcast where he talks to members of the shmup community uh, about all of these great things going on. Yeah, so definitely and check I think out his podcast. As and well. I think if I can recommend one episode to you guys, it's the episode ten. I mean, there's a lot of really great episodes, but episode ten has Aquas. Aquas is a speedrunner, oh, yeah. and he's also the founder of STG Weekly, which is a really well-known shmup content series. And we talk a lot about 
the shmup community versus the speedrunning community, and we really get into detail about that. So I think that would be a good entry point for speedrunners for sure. Well, if you're looking for that episode, I will probably provide a link to it in the show notes as well as uh, on SoundCloud, uh, wherever you find this. So so check it out. Um, but if you're not going to be able to find us by just Googling Speedrun Podcast, I guess you can always try typing in theframesavers.com <laughs> sure. and you'll get uh, all of our stuff. You can find our, our Twitch, Twitter, our YouTube. You can find our Discord server, which is uh, where Mark and a bunch of other really great people uh, hang out and we talk about speedruns all the time. We talk about up coming episodes and questions you can have asked directly on the episodes uh you can find me at author blues on twitch twitter and youtube and obviously you can find my fantastic and handsome co-host uh john carls at john carls on twitch and twitter and john carls one on youtube as always thanks to brian morgenthaler for producing this podcast and making it sound so good in the face of all of the terrible things we do with our microphones (laughs) um is there any last words you want to shout out? Um, hmm, so many shout outs, but I guess if you can, uh, definitely stop by my Discord. I think these days you're going to run into a lot of really great players and really get great community members in there. It's a really active place and really welcoming to people who aren't shmup players, for sure. Because I make sure of that, so. <laughs> for sure. If you like, If you like shmups... Uh, check it out. Um, you know, there's a lot of really cool parallels between the, the shmup and the speedrunning community. There's a lot of people who go between them, and there's no shortage of love uh, between the two. So with that, uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Adios. So thank you to the $5 patrons, 100-100-72-PCT-Water, Adam Pearson, Ukshay Wadker, Dingo, Andy Cap, Another Joe, Anthony A., Aaron Solis, Ben, Borgi22, Brian Reboot, Brian Shiver, Chris Yuzafovich, Chronic Burnout 3, Corio, CRC Error, Daniel Savage, Darren Griffin, Delta Tango 6, Disco Star Slaya, Eric H., Frank Carter, Full Set, Roger Schmupper, Geriatric, Don Maku, Hal Su, Ilya, Kiwi, JLab, JBRPG, Joe Angelo, John Kelly, Game Boy Guru, K, K2, Kikoman589, Larage, Malaise, Mark Toms, Maz, Minung, Mechelen, Queen Charlene, Nathaniel Davis, and Electron, Neon Dagger Games, Oglo Kugels, Philip Mason, Portal 63, Raul, Real Skeen, Sketchy Raccoon, SLW, The Boot Rex, The Real Ikuzo, TRM, Sugumo, Yishi, Plasmo, and Yutsukaya. Thanks for watching. <laughs>